0: Thank you
1: Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. It is Monday, January 24, 2022. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the Kentucky-Mississippi State basketball game Tuesday night. It's a 9 o'clock start on ESPN. Kentucky is coming off that 80-71 to loss to Auburn on Saturday, number two Auburn at the time. Uh, UK, Ty Ty Washington got hurt early in that game Well, early about midway through the uh, first half, he ended up missing the last 28 minutes of the game. Severe Wheeler missed an important stretch as well. But Auburn played well as well. Kentucky's defense was not really uh, up to uh, par in that game. Auburn shot 56%, if I remember correctly, the highest percentage against Kentucky this season. So we'll see if Kentucky can bounce back on Tuesday night against Mississippi State. Um, My guests on the podcast are Andy Koska of the Clarion-Ledger who covers Mississippi State. He gave us a scouting report on the Bulldogs who are 13 and 5 overall and 4 and 2 in the SEC. And then also talk with my colleague and fellow columnist at the Aero Leader, Mark Story. We talked about the Kentucky Auburn game. We talked about the Mississippi State game on Tuesday. We also talked about the uh, the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year, which will be announced uh, in the paper on uh, and online on Tuesday, uh, that Mark is in charge of that. He does a great job putting that together uh, every year, tabulating it, writing these stories about the finalists, and we're going to talk to Mark about that. Uh, or we did talk to Mark about that as well. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it. First, Andy Koska of the Clarion-Ledger on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and then Herald-Leader sports columnist Mark Story on UK and the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year. Okay, my guest on the podcast now is Andy Koska of the Clarion-Ledger in Jackson, who covers Mississippi State athletics, Mississippi State basketball. How's it going, Andy?
2: Yeah, it's going pretty well. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for being on the podcast again. We, you were, uh, you were nice enough to talk to us uh, for the football game, Kentucky Mississippi State. Uh, now we got Kentucky Mississippi State basketball on Tuesday night. Unfortunately, it's a nine o'clock game. We don't like those nine o'clock games uh, at Rupp Arena. Uh, but an interesting game. I kind of feel like Mississippi State's kind of been operating under the radar. They've uh, they've Thirteen and five overall, four and two in the SEC. What about this Mississippi State basketball team? How are they playing right now?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit jekyll and Hyde almost with this Mississippi State team. I think obviously only five losses, so it's been uh, you know mostly good. But uh, in some of them, I think you look at the the Florida game from from last week. Uh, struggles from three. Uh, didn't really have much of a uh, interior presence as they usually do. Uh, if those kind of you know, both of those areas compound uh, against Kentucky. is going to be a long game for, for the Bulldogs. But overall, it's been an okay season. The, the three-point shooting has not been there at all. Uh, and now a big injury to Tolu uh, Smith, uh, the, yeah. the forward, and we can get into that in a second. But uh, so that it could it could cause some issues when when you're trying to match up with Oscar Shibway and, and you know everything that Kentucky has going for it.
1: Let's back up just a little bit. What were the expectations for this Mississippi State coming in? What, the, what how did people feel about the team that Ben Howling had coming into this season?
2: Well, I think the expectations internally were NCAA tournament. Um, I think maybe externally there was a little bit more skepticism. But uh, you know, this is a this is a team that's made NCAA tournament twice in a decade. You know, it's it's not hasn't been a, a powerhouse of late. Um, it looked like entering the season that this roster was maybe the the most depth they've had in a, in a while, maybe the, the, most, the most playmakers. If you, if you have, you know, Iverson Molinar kind of leading that line, he's, you know, he's been a he's been kind of as advertised uh, this season. You know, as about as good as it gets. Uh, but without Tolu Smith on the floor for uh, for you know extended minutes, he's played eight games this season, and now is you know another stretch on the sideline. You know, that's been a that's been an issue. Um, so I think they're, they're right now they're the definition of a bubble team, and I think that's probably where. I maybe expected them to be. Uh, I know Ben Howland expected, you know, that to make the tournament, and that that remains to be seen.
1: Uh, another coming off a win over Ole Miss on Saturday. I know they lost to Ole Miss a little earlier in the year. Uh, played a really good second half. It looked to me like on Saturday night. Uh, what what about that game beating Ole Miss? And how upset were they that they lost to Ole Miss in that first game?
2: Well, the first game was uh, honestly they, they played pretty terribly overall, uh, to, be, to be honest with you. But the first game, they didn't have Toby Smith. He was in health and uh, safety protocols. And the second game, Toby Smith's back. And I think the the story of the game really was, uh, second half, uh, Mississippi State had 20 points in the paint, and Ole Miss only had four. So they absolutely dominated the paint uh, in the second half. Um, and that kind of you know was was a big key to kind of pulling away, because three-point shooting, again, is, is not their strong shoot. They haven't uh, haven't been very consistent. They haven't even really tried many shots overall in that, in that kind of category. So I think, you know, if they can dominate the paint, that's where, you know, things have to go. Uh, that first Ole Miss game, um, it was not the case. They, they did not do well in the paint. And also Matthew Morell for, for Ole Miss, I think, had five threes and 31 points overall. So sometimes you just hit a hot hand and, and things go things go the wrong way. So I think it'll be interesting on Tuesday to see. Exactly. Without Tolu in the lineup again, just exactly how it looks with with how they can control the paint. Um, Garrison Brooks has been has been strong. He'll probably play the five mostly. Uh, JV and Davis has been a good bench piece. He'll also factor into the into the five there. Uh, so we'll we'll see really how they kind of step up. But uh, definitely they had a bitter taste in their mouth from losing that first Ole Miss game, and they did come out very strongly in that second half on Saturday to to kind of resurrect that you
1: mentioned about Tolu Smith i mean obviously an important part although as you said he's only played eight games but averaging 13.1 6.6 rebounds so is he definitely first of all how did he get hurt and is, is he definitely out for tuesday night
2: yeah well he's definitely out for tuesday night he got hurt uh, with a minute and 17 seconds or so left mm-hmm. in the in the second half of the of the saturday game i guess miss and and Ben Howland said uh, he was kicking himself for still having him in that game. Uh, you know, he did hadn't played all that many minutes, so it wasn't like a fatigue thing. But obviously, you're up by double digits, and and your one of your best players gets injured. Uh, you know, is, is a very unlucky thing. And hindsight, of course, is 2020. 20, but he, he kind of landed kind of weirdly on uh, his leg buckled under him it, it's been described as a, uh, a partially dislocated knee uh so he's he's uh week to week his mri was was clean no no structural damage so they avoided like the catastrophic results of, of a season ending issue but he's going to be sidelined for at least a week if not if not longer i would kind of expect longer um you know in the in two two week to three week range but uh you know that is that is definitely a concern not having him there and I believe Rocket Watts a, a guard as well he, he missed Saturday's game he's in health and safety protocols and and he's expected to miss Tuesday as well so that, that kind of slims out the depth in the backcourt a little bit
1: uh, Speaking of Rocket Watts a transfer from Michigan State a couple other transfers on this team in Garrison Brooks who you mentioned from North Carolina DJ Jeffries from Memphis how, how have those guys played?
2: Yeah they've been played really well and, and one one more to mention in that, in that group is uh, NC State's uh, Shaquille Moore you know, right. came in and, and he's you know, I think when, when all of this when all of this happened, all these transfers happened, I kind of expected Rocket Watts to be the starting uh, starting two, with Iverson Molinar as as the one. But uh, Shaquille, obviously, Rocket has kind of dealt with with some hip injuries, so that that's you know factored into why why he's coming off the bench mostly. But uh, Shaquille has been been great as that starting you know shooting guard. Uh, you know, his three point ball is basically the, the best on the team. He's really the only one that's consistently hit from deep. Uh, so he's been, you know, kind of a, a godsend in that territory. But Garrison Brooks and and DJ Jeffries at the same time have been both been been, you know, immediate, uh, factored into the starting lineup. Uh, big big pluses overall. Um, and Garrison Brooks especially. I mean, he kind of came in. He was he was great for North Carolina for four years. And as a grad transfer, he's you know his last hurrah with, with Mississippi State, uh, playing for you know his dad as assistant coach. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been he's been doing he's been doing really well and he played he only had three shots against Florida and that was a big issue for Ben Allen he was like he needs to be more involved and I think against uh Ole Miss on Saturday you, you saw what they want Garrison Brooks to be he he found space in the, in the zone in the mid-range and, and he can knock those down all day and that's that's what he did he was very aggressive with if he gets the ball if he has a little space he's gonna take the shot and uh that's you know expect the same against Kentucky he's gonna he's gonna get his shots I think he only finished with seven shots or so or maybe nine shots but that's you know you know that's going to be in the range what he's going to be shooting and he had 16 or so points so that's that's what he that's what he brings and he's going to be uh he's going to have to be a bigger part of the offense without Tolu
1: anybody else on Mississippi State that uh, Kentucky fans should look for on Tuesday night
2: well I think Iverson Molinar is the the main name you're going to hear over and over (laughs) again uh you know he's uh He's going to drive the lane, and that's what he does. When he gets in the lane, a lot of good things happen for this team. Uh, I think uh, Florida did a great job with kind of limiting uh, what Iverson was able to do. He scored 12 points against Florida, which in only two in the second half. So really, you know, they shut him down, and and he scored 20 on Saturday uh, as kind of his rebound game, and uh, he passed a thousand points for his Mississippi State career. So, you know, really, he's, he's a big part of this team. He's not too frequently going to pull it up from deep. Uh, he had. Five attempts from uh, long range on Saturday, which was you know his most in a while. He hit two of them, so that that's kind of a good sign if he can, he can get it going from deep. But uh, really, he, he's gonna he's gonna look to penetrate. Uh, when he penetrates, he can either dish or he's very acrobatic and get you know he can he can score from from weird angles, get knocked around, things like that. So uh, you know, Iverson and are you're gonna hear a lot about.
1: Yeah, I and. Mean, it- a good assist guy, too. 4.3 assists per game. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. He can definitely. do it all. Yeah, he can do it all. Uh, before I ask you about the keys, let me ask you about Ben Hallin. Uh They're Mississippi State. As you mentioned, you know, they, I think they've been to the NCAA just once under Ben, but I guess uh, they had a chance of going in uh, 2020 when they were 20 and 11, 11 and 7 in the league, but they uh, COVID, you know, canceled the NCAA tournament. How do the fans feel about Ben Hallen now? What is this, his seventh year? Is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, about about that about that long, and I, I think there's maybe a little bit of frustration just with, uh, you know, when, when they lose the the kind of bubble matchups, like like especially against Florida, for instance. When when you lose that one, and you feel like, hey, you pick up a win there, uh, you feel pretty good about maybe sneaking into the into the field. It's a long way to go, of course, and mm-hmm. it's you know kind of kind of early to, you know, say they're not going to make it or anything like that. They're definitely just the definition of a bubble team. And I would I would be if they don't make the NCAA tournament, I, I would say there's probably a little bit of uh a little bit of a hot seat. There's a lot of um, probably disgruntled fans. And, of course, Mississippi State's not the uh, – the fan base is not totally invested when March comes around because the baseball team will be in full swing by then. And, and they're, they're, you know, maybe, maybe that'll be the, the, the Ben's uh, benefit there is when, when the reigning national champions are playing on the diamond instead. But, uh, you know, it, it, I think he needs to have some some end product. It's a lot of good season he's put together. You know, a lot of, you know, above 500 just hasn't been good enough, you know, to kind of get into the field or make a run. In the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's been a long time since they even passed the first weekend. You know, if you look back, it's been it's been eons. So uh, that's a bit of exaggeration, of course, not eons, but you get my drift And Right. Uh, so I think that, you know, there needs to be a little bit of end product at, at some point with, hey, yeah, you can put together, you know, above 500 seasons. But if you don't get into March Madness, it, it kind of, you know, right. takes a little bit away from that.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, Andy, what what uh, what does Mississippi State have to do uh, on Tuesday night to pull off an upset and beat Kentucky at Rupp Arena?
2: Well, you got to slow down Oscar. Uh, you know, he, he's you know, he's he's quite a force down low, and right. you'd feel a little bit better if you have Tolu Smith in that in that game, just in terms of, you know, you you can with Tolu in the game and Javion Davis, you feel like you have two big men that can. Uh, you know They could kind of deal with the foul issues a little bit more and it just sort of slow Oscar down, but now it's really going to be down to Garrison Brooks to play bigger uh, than he is. He's really a four. Uh, is He played a lot of five at, at, at North Carolina as well, so he's like been well-versed. And he knows how to play the five, but his best position probably would be the four, and that's where Mississippi State likes him, so it, it makes a little bit more of a, of a challenge there. Um, and somebody's got to hit threes on this team. Without Rocket Watts, I mean, he's kind of one of the best three-point shooters on the team. Maybe his percentage doesn't show it, but but they expect him to be there. Um, Shaquille is gonna is gonna hit some threes, but uh, they're gonna need to make up they're gonna, they're gonna need to make up points um, in some fashion if they're not gonna win the win the paint, which they usually win the paint. And that's how they win games. But it could be a difficult game for that. Uh, so you gotta you gotta find another area to make it. Uh, make it happen. So Iverson, if you can hit a couple of Shaquille, uh, if he hits a couple, uh, you feel pretty good about, uh, you know, maybe closing the gap there if there is a paint discrepancy. Um, and then lastly, I mean, this is a team that, Ben Howland teams, they like to hang their hat on defense. Um, and this season, the the, the the adjusted field goal percentage for opposing teams is, uh, I guess, the effective field goal percentage on Ken Palm. It, it's, they're like 140th in the country. You know, they have not been a great defensive team um sometimes they just run into hot hands and that you know skews things a little bit but overall i mean they haven't closed down the three-point line very well um we'll, we'll see just how they do defensively uh, i know they, they obviously played well defensively against old miss if they can carry that over uh with uh you know into uh into lexington we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes but i think those things uh you know it's really comes down to the paint and and if uh if they can hit a couple threes that, that'll be the big thing
1: I know we haven't even reached the halfway point of the SEC season, but still, I think it's a pretty key game. Kentucky's five and two in the SEC. Mississippi State is four and two, so it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens on Tuesday night. Andy, tell the listeners uh, how they can follow you on Twitter and how they can follow you online leading up to and uh, after the game.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can uh, you can you can follow on our website uh, clarionledger.com. Uh, dot com. Is uh, click over to the Mississippi State tab and you can read all my stuff and. Uh, if you want to follow my tweets uh, at TKA on Twitter, uh, afkoska, and you can uh, you can give me grief if I tweet anything uh, that you think is anti-Kentucky. I definitely hear it enough from Mississippi State fans, so you will just add them to it.
1: Oh yeah, we we will get the grief. Oh yeah, that's what Twitter is there for—to give us grief. <laughs> yep. that, that's that's yeah, for exactly. sure. Especially you, exactly. every little slight—they make sure they get they pounce <laughs> on you for any
2: little exactly. slight,
1: whether perceived, whether it's accurate or not, it doesn't matter. So anyway, that's what makes Twitter fun, or at least that's what people uh, keep telling me. But anyway.
2: Yeah, I don't know about fun, but, but we, we stick to it.
1: That's right. Well, Andy, really appreciate you being on the podcast. Uh, everybody at the Clearing Ledger does a great job down there. Andy does a great job on um, Mississippi State. Be sure and check out his work. And Andy, thanks again. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
1: Okay, thanks a lot to Andy Koska of the Clearing Ledger. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Mark Story of The Herald-Leader. Okay, I want to bring in my guest on the podcast Mark Story, my fellow my colleague and fellow sports columnist at the Arrow Leader. How's it going Mark? It's
0: going great, John. Uh,
1: Kentucky and Mississippi State on Tuesday, nine o'clock at Rupp Arena. We don't like the nine o'clock starts, but we won't I won't complain too much about that. Uh, Kentucky lost at let's go over the Auburn game first. Kentucky lost at Auburn on Saturday, eighty to seventy one to then number two, Auburn. Now as we record this Auburn has moved up to number one uh, in the AP top twenty five. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game, Mark?
0: Thought it was mostly encouraging for Kentucky. I understand the fans are tired, are ready to win a big game. I was going to say a, it was a loss. It, it can't be encouraging if it it's, was a loss. It's <laughs> it's been a, it's been a while, and I get that. I mean, I'm, that's not an unjustified feeling. But you know, they. I thought I th- I went into the game thinking Auburn was the best team in the country. Really, um, I think I pretty much still think that. But I thought Kentucky until Ty Washington got hurt. I thought Kentucky had control of the game and was playing well. And and based off that, I think you have to feel optimistic from the UK perspective about, you know, kind of what your team is capable of. If, in fact, Auburn is the best team or certainly it's one of the best teams. And, you know, I think I think you have to feel somewhat optimistic about that, even if you're frustrated in the the fact that you had those guard injuries again in an SEC road game.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, what about the severe Wheeler uh, for the second time in a road game? uh, Gets knocked to to the floor by a uh, uh, a screen. This one was in the front court uh, when he's playing defense. uh, Had to sit out for a stretch. uh, Did come back later in the game, but did miss a uh, significant stretch of the game. Is there anything that can be, I mean, why is that happening? And how can Kentucky stop it from happening?
0: Well, I think calling out the picks would be one uh, way to m- maybe help stop it. You know, I, you know, Oscar Sheebway has been just tremendous in all, about every way one can be tremendous since he came to Kentucky. But um, calling out picks seems to be a problem, and pick and roll defense I thought was a problem. Yeah, definitely. That, that to me is the one concern out of that game. I did not. I thought you know Bruce Pearl figured out late in the first half that you know they could exploit Kentucky in the pick and roll and they basically started going to it and that yielded all those walker kessler dunks and and i and i think oscar just i don't think he plays the pick and roll that well
1: Yeah, uh, Kessler was eight of ten for, and that's Auburn's seven foot one center. He was eight of ten from the field. I counted he had seven dunks. Four of those I had in my little play by play that I keep were off lobs. Uh, They obviously did not play that well. Is that all Oscar's fault or is it uh, bad communication? Jacob Toppin was talking earlier today when we got the players about, uh, and Toppin, I think, and I think it might have been more Orlando Antigua was talking about. They, They need to do a better job of communicating on that. Uh, how much does Oscar's role play in that, and how much is it the other guys?
0: Well, I think it's some of both. Uh, the other thing I thought they struggled, but you know they they had a harder time staying in front of Wendell Green than I expected. Yeah. And you know Wendell Green, who I watched quite a bit last year when he was at Eastern Kentucky, and I thought he was really good. And I think he's probably proven so far at Auburn. He was even better than I thought. But you know, he he got downhill on them a lot, and that was a big part of the pick and roll problems too.
1: Yeah, I think that was definitely a. I think that's a very good point. I think that was definitely a problem. They had a hard time staying in front of him and cutting off the paths on the, on the lobs and on the on that pick and roll as well. A, a little aside about. Wendell Green Jr. As you said, he played at Eastern last year, was very good at Eastern last year, now goes to Auburn. Eastern's struggling this year. Of course, they're in a new conference, new setup. Teams are different from year to year. To me, he's kind of the, the pro and con of the transfer waiver rule he get he played well at eastern he goes to a bigger school on a bigger stage where he can play against better competition but on the other hand if you're aw at hamilton at eastern you know here's a guy that you recruited you brought into the program and you lose him after one year uh, i mean is there is that just the way it is or is that a problem with this
0: i think it's just the way it is i'm sympathetic to the coaches in. the I actually wrote about A.W. who said when he found out not only that, that Wendell Green was transferring, but also Trey King, right. his two best players with remain who had remaining eligibility, off I think a 22 win team. He said he cried, mm. and. And, and 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 I get it. I'm completely sympathetic, but I I, I just think the larger good is yeah. I think the players, you know, deserve their, this right and you know they should have a right to move just like the coaches do. So right. I see it as just the way it, it, it I see it as just the way it's gonna be. And while I am very sympathetic to the coaches in A. W. Hamilton's situation, I think the greater good is served by the right of the player having a chance to move.
1: Right because after all, if aw Hamilton or any other coach at that level, if uh, he's successful and a bigger school comes along and wants to offer him a job, he's free to take that job to go up up a notch or up a run or two to uh you know test his talents on a bigger stage. so it should be for the same for the players i I agree. Wholeheartedly. Okay, what about this Mississippi State game uh, on Tuesday? Orlando Antigua, when we talked to him earlier today, uh, he brought it up before anybody even asked about it. He said you could look at this game as a trap game, that they're not going to look at it that way, but they need the fans. He His main thing was a 9 o'clock game on Tuesday. He, he wants to make sure the fans show up for that game. Uh, Mississippi State obviously is not as high-profile an opponent as they had against Tennessee the last time they were at home or Auburn or Kansas when they're on the road. But he want to make sure people show up for that. Is this a dangerous game for Kentucky?
0: I think it is a little bit of a trap game. I think the fact you're coming off Auburn, have Kansas next, the fact that it's so late. I mean, let's you know be frank. Other than the Tennessee game, Rupp Arena crowds have not been that right. great, and I would guess usually the nine o'clock games are not as well attended. As the seven o'clock game, so yeah, I think it is probably wise on the part of Orlando, Antigua, and the Kentucky Brain Trust to be concerned about that. The one thing that might mitigate it a little bit is Mississippi State has brought in all these transfers, right. with, you know, high-profile transfers. You know, Garrison Brooks from North Carolina and DJ Jeffries, who was once committed to Kentucky and used to be at Memphis, and um, Rocket Watts, who I don't is not playing much because he's been slow to recover from, I think, hip surgery, the the former Michigan State guard. So there are a lot of names on this roster that should get U.K. players' attention, plus the fact Mississippi State ended their season last year. There is that, too. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're uh, yeah. Mississippi State is thirteen and five. They're four and two in the league. They're not gonna. It doesn't look like they're gonna have Deleuze uh, Smith, who's obviously a big player for them, and will I would think would be big in this game going against uh, Oscar Sheebway, But you're right. They've got some talent on that team. I think Ben Hallen knows how to coach. I, I do think this is kind of a game where Kentucky needs to be ready to play on Tuesday. On Tuesday, what, what after this Auburn game? What will you be looking for from Kentucky in this game?
0: Well, I think just a handling, you know, kind of the scenario that we've already talked about, yeah. you know, Mississippi State has not played well on the road. They're 0-2 in true road games. And, you know, Rupp Arena, you know, even a not completely stellar or full Rupp Arena is still a diff- difficult venue. Right. You know, I think, you know I, I just want, you know, I just think the key for Kentucky is, to, you know, to, not to let down, to, you know, mm-hmm. to play with spirit. I think if they do that, they should be fine.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the Mark. The other reason I wanted you to have on the podcast is to talk about the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year award, which you are the uh, main guy behind. Uh, you do yeoman's work on uh, on assembling that every year, uh, getting the ballots out, collecting the ballots, tabulating, and we're about uh, we're about to announce the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year. Just talk about that, and talk about the the finalists going into when will it be announced, and who are the finalists.
0: Well, it will be announced uh, in the morning on Kentucky.com at 9 a.m. Uh, I don't know about you, John. Both of us have been voting in this for a long time now. I thought this was the hardest year ever I, I, because I, I thought the, <laughs> the depth of sports achievement by people with connections to Kentucky, it was just ridiculous. There were people that didn't make the top ten that you know, in a lot of years I think would have contended for winning this based off what they did. I mean, it's just it, it it's an incredible year for Kentucky. You know, whatever else we can say about 2021, and there were obviously a lot of challenges. The the level of sports achievement by Kentuckians was just amazing.
1: Yeah, talk about the finalists because there were a couple of finalists there when you announced the finalists. Uh, I thought, eh, maybe I should have made them <laughs> higher on my list or had them in my top 10 list.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, I, I when I sat down to to do my own voting, you know, there, you know, I had like 18 people I wanted to vote for and we, (laughs) we, we, we asked people to vote for 10. So yeah, it was really hard. So in alphabetical order, let's uh, let, let's go through the 10. The winner will be one of these 10. We start with Adam Duvall, the former uh, university of Louisville and Butler high school baseball standout. We just had an incredible year last year in the national league, started out with the Miami Marlins, and wound, you know, led the National League in RBI with, with 113, was second in home runs with 38. Then he got traded at the trade deadline to Atlanta and just, you know, came up huge for the Braves, and they won the World Series. I mean, right. it's hard to have a much better year than that. And then uh, Lee, Lee Kiefer, our homegrown uh, here in Lexington Olympic gold medalist. Uh, the f- fencer, the first American woman ever to win an Olympic gold medal in foil fencing. And I just got to thinking about Lee in the process of putting the ballot together. How many native Kentuckians, people that really grow up here, have won an Olympic gold medal? It can't yeah. be many. No, you're right. And um, just yeah, you know, that that that's a huge achievement. And you look at um, Madison Lilly, the Kentucky volleyball setter, for this for the spring season. And part of what made this such a Humongous year for Kentucky uh, sports achievement was that there were two volleyball seasons, and our teams were really strong in both of them. Yes. (laughs) Um, But in the spring season, you know, Madison Lilly, you know, basically had an Anthony Davis kind of season in terms of she led her team to the national championship. She was the most outstanding player in the Final Four. She was the national player of the year. She was the SEC female athlete of the year. I mean, it's hard to come up with a resume much stronger than that for a college athlete. Right. Then we get to the fourth finalist in alphabetical order, which was Johnson Central football coach Jim Matney, who uh, was just a really large figure in sports in eastern Kentucky. And Jim uh, tragically had a bout with COVID-19 and then had a stroke and passed away during the season. Uh, he Nevertheless, his team still made it to the 4A state championship game, somewhat playing in his memory. And his peers voted him the Courier Journal State Coach of the Year, and I can say from you know having counted the Sports Figure of the Year votes, which are voted on by sports media all around the state, he was not it was not just an Eastern Kentucky thing. Yeah. He got a lot of votes all around the state. He uh, he mm-hmm. commanded a lot of respect in uh, in Kentucky sports circles. Um, next up, we have. Uh, Sydney McLaughlin, the former UK track star who was kind of a one-and-done UK star in her own right, who just basically set, you know, electrified the Olympic Games, won the 400-meter hurdles in a world record time, and then ran the opening leg for an incredibly star-studded and dominant Team USA 4x400 relay team, and, you know, is one of the most you know glamorous sort of charismatic figures in american sports and uh you know that's a that's that that's a it's that's a connection uk i'm will i want to maintain as long as possible because if she stays healthy and stays motivated there's she may she has the ability to be one of the greatest american athletes ever Mm -hmm. i mean i think there's pretty much no limit on what she can achieve in track and field if she stays healthy and, and, and wants to pursue it. Um, next up on the list is Desmond Ritter, who was the Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback who uh, led them the first non-Power Five school ever to make the college football playoff. He is a product of Louisville St. High School was a highly undervalued, under-recruited player that Cincinnati you know, for whatever reason, saw the the promise in, and were proven right about a million times over. You know, he never lost a home game as a starting quarterback at Cincinnati, and uh, was, um, you know, led them to a season, an undefeated regular season, and you know, got got a team in the college football playoff that was not presently a member of the Power Five. And I know a lot of people, myself included, wasn't sure that would ever happen. Right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> The uh, the next finalist is Wandale Robinson, who, uh, you know, was, sort of came home from Nebraska, didn't sort of come home. He came home right. and had arguably the greatest season a Kentucky Wildcat football wide receiver has ever had, set the school record for pass receptions. set the school in one season, set the school record for receiving yards in one season, and then just had a, just a, a star turn in the Citrus Bowl and lead led Kentucky to a comeback win with just, you know, humongous plays on the game-winning drive. And, you know, it's just such a great story for, you know, Mr. Football, you know, sort of broke everybody's heart when he made the decision to go to Nebraska instead of Kentucky and then comes home and, and certainly made it all right. Right. Absolutely. Um, the next on the list is Craig Skinner, who was Madison Lilly's coach at Kentucky Volleyball and, you know, led his After years and years of program building, you know, led a team to the national championship. And, you know, I I alluded to earlier just how strong volleyball was in our state in the spring season when Kentucky won it all. Western had an undefeated regular season and reached the Sweet 16 where they lost to Kentucky. Louisville also reached the Sweet 16 and Moorhead won an NCAA tournament game for the first time in school history. Then the fall season, you come back, and all of those teams except Moore had made it back to the NCAA tournament. Western and Kentucky, I don't think, got out of the they, – they lost in the round of 32. But Louisville had an undefeated regular season and reached the final four with an undefeated record where they lost to Wisconsin. I mean, just the level of volleyball achievement was just ridiculous. Yes, absolutely. And uh, then Mark Stoops, who uh, coached the Kentucky Wildcats football team to a 10-win season, at a school that's only had four double-digit football seasons in its entire history, he's now produced two since 2018. You know, another New Year's Day ball victory, and you know, has moved within one win of tying Bear Bryant for the uh, the all-time uh, wins record at Kentucky. So, uh, Mark's uh, Mark's done fairly well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> De- and then, definitely. Uh,
0: The final of the 10 finalists is Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zappi, who all he did was throw for more yards, 5,967, and more passing touchdowns, 62, than anyone ever had in the history of NCAA, NCAA FBS football.
1: So, and that got him on the list as it should. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, quite just, a
0: star-studded list for sure. Yeah, and 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 just the, the people that you know, didn't make the top ten. You know, Ryan Howard, who was two-time SEC Player of the Year, two-time first-team All-American. You know, Kentucky women's basketball. You know, not in the top ten. You know, Jensen Castle, the UK golfer who won the U.S. Women's Amateur. You know, Brad Cox, the horse trainer from Louisville, who just had an unbelievable year. Right. I mean, just, just a massive year. And, you know, those are the caliber of people that, you know, didn't make the top 10. Which, in, in the,
1: as you said that, earlier, those people like that could have, in other years, could have easily been, uh, you know, top, top three or four or had a chance to, to win the
0: award. Yeah, that is correct. It, it's just uh, – when 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 I sat down and started compiling it, I mean it was just it, it was an amazing year for Kentucky sports.
1: So people should look uh, on Kentucky.com right tomorrow at nine a.m. Is that right?
0: That is correct. We should be revealing the winner around nine a.m. and then we'll have a huge blowout in Wednesday's uh, Herald Leader. Great.
1: That's great. One more thing before I let you go. Uh, your column that's uh, posted online uh, now about UK women's basketball. I don't want you to give away the whole column, but uh, it's been a rough year so far for uh, Kyra Elsey.
0: It has been a very difficult year. Not much has gone right. Um, they um, are in a, you know, my understanding is they made a decision. You know, I, I think if you go back to last year, they appeared to have some chemistry issues so I think they made a decision that they weren't going to bring in more guards and wings. They were going to play with what they had. I think they did try to bring in sort of difference-making post players and just weren't able to land one out of the transfer portal. So they you know, they were going to go with basically with what they had coming back. At the time, they had 11 players. Well, since then, they've thrown a player off the team. You know, They had a, a player that was expected to start, Blair Green, got hurt before the year, knocked out for the year. Right. Robin Benton, who's one of their better players, is hurt now. You know Drayuna Edwards, who is their second best player, is on, on a suspension and of an at least as far as I know of an undetermined or unannounced uh, length. Right. So the, you know they're down to seven seven players, and uh, they're in a in really difficult situation because you know partially due to COVID. Uh, cancellations or postponements earlier they're down to seven players in a week where they play three road games they're at they're uh, at auburn um at vanderbilt and then at lsu this week uh, and it's uh it's just uh it's just not gone you know there's just been a lot of things go wrong for them
1: yeah um, no doubt about it they're they're definitely up against it uh so be sure and check out mark's column uh, definitely be sure and uh Get online tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock and find out who is the winner of the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year Award as well. And we'll have a lot of coverage, uh, obviously, of the basketball game on Tuesday night. Uh, follow Mark on Twitter, Mark C. Story, and in the Herald Leader, and in the print edition of the Herald Leader, and online at Kentucky.com. And as always, Mark, we really appreciate you being on the podcast.
0: Thanks, John.
1: Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay podcast. My thanks to Andy Koska of the Clearing Ledger and Mark Story of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Be sure and follow both those guys online. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Follow my sidelines blog. We'll have updates on the game Tuesday night, Kentucky Mississippi State. Like I said, it's a nine o'clock start on ESPN. Uh, Remember, you can get a Sports Pass, sports-only subscription to the Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. $30 for the first year. You get all of our digital coverage of UK football, basketball, UK recruiting with Ben Roberts. You get columns by Mark and myself, high school coverage with Jared Peck. $30 for the first year. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscription tab, and check out all the offers. We greatly appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lakeston Aero Leader and Kentucky.com. I appreciate, greatly appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast. Uh, leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. That just helps get the word out there about the podcast. Uh, we had a couple of podca- we had a podcast over the weekend about Shaden Sharp. Uh, you might want to check that out uh, with Ben Roberts. Uh, ben, then after the podcast, got talked to uh, Sharp's mentor about Shaden Sharp. So uh, look for that story as well. You can find it on Kentucky.com. Once again, thanks to Andy Koska, thanks to Mark Story, and thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.